broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in from Indianapolis, Indiana, NFL Combine 2022. Brent Martineau here uh, for another day. And Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios after a TKO win. Who can say that in sports radio? Especially local sports radio. Nobody. Casey Kurtz here for one more day before he gets married. Not too many people saying that this week either. <laughs> we continue to marry off producers left and right here on ESPN 690. Uh, so 3-6 will be with you. And obviously a lot of combine talk. Uh, Trent Balky and Doug Peterson uh, on the podium and off to the side. So if you heard a little of the podium, you did not hear off to the side. And we went in depth with uh, both of those guys from the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier today. In fact, just moments ago. So we have that on the show and we'll play it all for you uh, coming up throughout the next uh, few hours and discuss. Austin Lane, I don't know if I should lead with uh, no EVP for the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least for the time being, as that's been paused or John Morant. Oh, no, it's all good, man. I mean, we're going to have a lot more John Moran for years to come, all right? He's going to be the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. So, it's, I mean, hey, he had a heck of a game last night. Obviously, I'm going to have it for slam poetry on Friday. It's going to be the, the, the John Morant slam poetry effect. But there's going to be a lot more John Moran to come. And not every single day does your team announce that they're going to not really go for an EVP. After a couple weeks earlier, they announced they are going for an EVP. So I'll probably let off with the EVP news first. Okay, so we'll go with the EVP. We figured that's a little bit more important. Although, I did suggest on our text chain that maybe you should do an NBA slam poetry just on jaw today. Yeah, you know, that's giving me more work, um, and I like the creative process to kind of flow through me on Friday, so we'll see what happens on Friday. There will no doubt be a John Morant or two reference, though, coming up on uh, Friday's NBA slam poetry. We missed you last week, by the way, with the poetry. Oh, so, uh, I figured you guys would have filled in for me. Now, especially we, you, Brent. We just couldn't, we didn't think we could do it. Okay. And quite frankly, we didn't want to put in the effort. Sure. So that Appreciate was really that. why. All right. Um, so anyway, the big story here to start the day at the Combine. Again, this was Doug Peterson and Trent Bulky's day. A lot of other folks, too, saw Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, the Indianapolis uh, Colts were on the podium. They're still mad about losing the Jacksonville Jaguars. So got that uh, going for you, Jags fans. I know that will keep you excited. But the news about 11 o'clock that Ian Rappaport tweeted out, and then Shad Khan issued a statement later on that uh, – he is pausing the search for uh, an EVP. If you go back to when they introduced Doug Peterson as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the one refreshing note out of there, the breaking news of that news conference, really, uh, about 40 minutes in, at least to the fans and, and to many others, is that the Jaguars were going to beef up their structure in the front office. And I remember saying at that time, that is something that I've talked to people around the league throughout the coaching search that the Jaguars could do a better job of whether that's around uh, bulky from an assistant GM standpoint, having more people in that front office from an EVP standpoint, it looked like the Jags were heading down that direction. Now, they could still hire somebody from an assistant GM standpoint and beef up the structure of their front office, but at least for the time being, not going with the executive vice president role. And uh, Khan confirming that based off Austin that he likes what Doug Peterson especially is doing but how Bulky and Peterson are working together and I will say over the last hour or so that has been mentioned a lot by especially Doug Peterson his role in communication and the collaboration so far with the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars Trent Bulky so uh, that it's been good and and so they like the idea of not having an EVP at least for now 
is the way they answer the question. They think they've got um, enough in place to go forward around the draft and free agency and all the decisions that are upcoming, including whether you franchise tag a DJ Chark or a Cam Robinson, uh, which you have the next week to do. Uh, but I don't think that sits well once again with a fan base that has this angst for the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars and thought there would be a buffer in place uh, to help uh, Doug Peterson out in the football operations, uh, not received warmly again by the fans today. Well, I don't think it really should be received warmly because all we have to go off of, of you know, Doug Peterson's, you know, his introductory press conference was, you know, the, the, the word of Doug Peterson was the word of Shad Khan. And at that time, we were told that, all right, you know, we're going to bring the EVP in, um, and it's going to be a collaborative effort. Now, I'm not sure that day since now what exactly transpired. Like, I, I get it. Shad Khan wants to say he's been very impressed with how Trent Balky and Doug Peterson have gotten along. Well, are, are, we, are we shocked about that? Shouldn't your GM and head coach be working great together? Like, I, wasn't that the whole goal in the first place? Yeah. Why, would well, so. why would you pair somebody together if they're not going to work well together? So, like, that, that's not breaking news to me. And then Doug Peterson's doing a great job in, you know, turning the culture. Well, that, that's his job. You know, like, that's, that's not a shock to me either. Now, keep in mind, the, the players, like, there hasn't been an official players meeting yet. You know, like, even, like, the, the whole structures of culture and the goals and all, like, none, none of that has transpired yet. Now, maybe it's changed in terms of, you know, how people are getting treated in that building. You know, maybe people are more excited to come to work every single day, whether it's in the office setting or the coaches or whatever the case may be or a combination of both those. So that's great. But to sit here and say, well, I've been very impressed this past couple weeks with Doug, with Doug Peterson, what he's been done. The players haven't even been in there yet. Like, how, how do you know the culture's fixed? I mean, if that's the case and the culture is good, well, then let me go ahead and go on a betting website right now and put all my money on the Jaguars. Because if you fixed it in three weeks and the players aren't even there, I'm putting all my money down on a Jaguars Super Bowl this year, I guess. Yeah, I, I think uh, I don't know how the players are going to feel about the front office, and but I do think the fact that it's just Balky and, and Peterson pushing the buttons now um, isn't something that is going to sit well with at least the fans. We'll see how that sits with the players. I want you to get misconstrued here. I'm not saying the players are going to be turned off to the idea there's no EVP. I'm saying that if you're trying to build a culture, you're not going to... Yeah, how do you know it's working? Yeah, you can't tell it's built when the players aren't even in there. Yeah, that's, yeah. Th that's what I'm trying to say. I'm yeah, not so what, what the players, what they think about it. No, I'm just saying, how do you know you have the culture in place when the players haven't really even been in there? Yeah, and that's fair, and, and I don't – again, I think there's terminology here that opened the door for Shad to on a couple of different ways. Once back at the news conference, he said, we've requested permission to interview for the EVP. That certainly led on that they were really interested in hiring an EVP. Well, he didn't say we were hiring an EVP. We're looking into it is essentially what he said. Uh, and then, obviously, here today in his statement, he says he's pausing. It doesn't mean he's not going to hire one at some point. I still wonder two things really come out of this for me. One, where March 1st is today. The calendar just flipped. You have a big period of time now with free agency and, again, franchise tag and uh, the combine and the evaluations and then the draft where you hold significant picks. Could the Jaguars make moves to their front office after the draft, which a lot of people do, you know, and that happens uh, in the NFL. Do they just feel like adding something right now over the next two months would muddy that process up? I think that's what Shot is trying to say. 
is that fact? Is that real? Who knows? Um, if if that's the impact of hiring an EVP right now or even an assistant GM, if it would just muddy things up. And do we see something different on May 1st than we have on March 1st in Jacksonville? Because they could uh, add to the culture, change the culture a little bit, or at least the structure of the organization. The other part of this, Austin, and I, I think what I'm reading and seeing from what Shad's saying and his action today is that He's impressed enough with Doug Peterson that this is going to be very coach-centric-led again, once again in this organization. Now, Urban Meyer had control, it felt like, of the entire building. I don't think we're going to get that out of Doug Peterson, but I certainly think now Doug Peterson has cemented himself as a decision-maker in building this roster. I think that's what transpired today. That's the confidence Shad Khan now has. And I'm not saying he's making every decision, but he is certainly making a lot of the decisions and is a heavy influence on the building of this roster in free agency and the upcoming draft. No, I think so. I mean, you know, Doug Peterson, he came here for a reason. Now, granted, I mean, he wanted to get his toes back in the coaching pool and maybe options were limited. But, you know, regarding of how those talks went, and keep in mind, I think at the point where Doug Peterson got that second call, the Jaguars were pretty desperate, you know. So I think, you know, Doug Peterson maybe had a little more power than even Shad Khan did because I think the Jaguars needed Doug Peterson more than Doug Peterson needed the Jaguars. Now, it all worked out. It's a match made in heaven. Hopefully it works out. But I absolutely agree. I think Doug Peterson is going to have a lot of power going forward. I think he is going to, um, you know, try to set this culture and have a pretty big say uh, of how this roster is going to look. And that's okay. You know, I mean, I think he's, uh, in terms of, Football savviness, he has shown that, you know, he, he can get those guys, he can coach very well, and he can win a Super Bowl. So I'm not upset about that at all. I, I guess just, you know, it's the whole changing of the tune after you say one thing and now you're doing a different thing. Yeah, and I think that's what the fans and, – and, again, it's not, it's not only the changing of the – or at least the perception of this changing of the mind for Shad Khan. Uh, you can make the case, again, I think you can make the case for Sean that he had an open mind on this process. Like, do we need to bring one in? He had actually said in, in that quote, in that news conference, said that he had learned through the interviews, right? He learned through other people that they were interviewing that we could beef up the structure. So I don't think the ship has sailed on that. For whatever reason, the timing bother shot right now and and that we don't really know the root of um but i also think let's we're all being honest here and i think trent Balky knows this because we continue to ask him about it it's been a turbulent time in jacksonville for trent Balky, especially over the last few months and i think if he was not at the center foot piece of of what's going on in the personnel department then i don't think fans would be as oh my gosh i can't believe they're not hiring an evp uh this has as much to do with shod's change of direction as it does about who is still in place and that has drawn the ire of the fan base going all the way back to november december and then of course uh the hiring process uh, the do you like the idea of doug peterson uh, have an impact on the staff do you like the idea of a if not a coach centric run organization a coach influenced run organization uh which is what i think we were getting with Urban Meyer, again, to a different kind of degree. Um, but it looks like we'll get here in Jacksonville that there's trust in Doug Peterson that he is going to make some of the correct decisions for this organization. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you look around the NFL, Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, I mean, I think a lot of teams that have had success have, I mean, Bill Belichick, obviously, too, but that's a different story. Um, they've, they've had success based off this model. So, no, I'm not turned off to the idea at all. I, I almost probably embrace it. Um, I would say I probably trust... 
Doug Peterson running the ship more than I do Trent Baalke. So if if Doug Peterson has more say, then then so be it. Um, I, th- I think he's capable of handling that um, on his plate. So I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, so uh, that is the story of the day here at the NFL Combine. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, not going to beef up the front office to the degree that uh, we thought they would. I will say this. I don't think this was – I think the Jags investigated this. Like, I think the Jags searched around for this. I think, uh, depending on who I believe, the Jags were pretty close here on on adding that piece. Mm. So I don't think this was, hey, I just told you what we wanted you wanted to hear in the news conference, you know, back whenever that was. I normally would say January, but this one was in February, so early, so just last month. And and then now we didn't even really test that out. We weren't going to do it the whole time. I, I don't believe that. Uh, I think some people probably do believe that, but I don't. I think the Jags were on their way to adding this kind of structure, which also leaves the door open for me to think that they will at some point add this kind of structure. And that's why these next couple of months, how late they are in the process, adding another decision maker potentially to the fold is is just not the right idea, at least in Shad's mind right now, or maybe influenced by Balky and Peterson, what they're telling him inside the building, saying, hey, this is cool if we add it, but let's just get through the draft part, and then we'll we'll add those things later on. I, I don't know how those discussions took place, but, then, but I do think, I think it was a real, I think they were really investigating that position, Austin, and um, maybe even, a, you know, on the verge of, of pulling the trigger on something. Okay, so two things then, what changed? Uh, that's a fair question. Um, maybe they didn't find what they liked uh, d- during that investigation. Maybe they got a little cold feet when they were getting closer. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, the other, the last part of it is what I just was saying. They are late in the process of all this. They hired late. Uh, they. It doesn't mean they can't be ready, but there's a lot going on inside their building right now to evaluate their own roster that was putting together the staff um, and and now get ready for this part, right, the combine free agency and putting a plan together. If you bring someone in right now, after for the last three and a half weeks, Trent Balky and Peterson have been putting together a plan. I think it's fair to wonder, and, and, and it might be the right call, if you are muddying that decision-making process up, bringing someone in midstream this close to about getting ready to spend $60 million in free agency. But then, and so I don't know if that's what changed, but I think, I think that's a reasonable curiosity if that happened. But then here's the question then. If you're going to wait till after the draft, after free agency to bring in an EVP, then what good is that EVP done for the season then? Like what, what does he even contribute if free agency is already done? What yeah, does he even contribute point. if the NFL draft is already completed? What does he even contribute if, you know, the roster's already set and, you know, you kind of know how you're going to run the, the practices and training camp and all that stuff? Then what is the EVP's job necessarily? Because yeah. to me, you're just throwing money at something that you don't even need if you wait till after the draft. Well, I, I think there's still an overseer. I think that's, maybe it's a longer-term play, you know. Um, I, I would say, what are they contributing if they come in and you hire one on March 10th? What are they actually contributing toward the draft and free agency when free agency is about to start in like six days? I mean, uh, I would say it would help in terms of, all right, what kind of guys do we want in here? How are we going to set up OTAs? What are we looking for? I think there's a lot of things you can do if you hired a guy right now. Yeah. Um, And and again, I think we – I'm not dismissing your point. I think it's a fair point. I'm not even sure I'm fully believing what my point. (laughs) I just think it's a plausibility that how did we get to this point? Um, of going from an EVP to no EVP, and I do th- wonder if the timing of everything, and we'll see. Like, listen, I'll be wrong about 
that part of the explanation if uh, sometime in March in May they don't add that position, right? They don't beef up the organization in the structure. Then they just decided we're not doing it, right? And to me, what it all comes down to is people wanted that phrase EVP because it meant that Trent Baalke could be on thin ice, and if it went bad, then Trent Baalke could easily be replaced. Yes. And, you know, and and I've been very adamant. Everything that I've heard these past couple months is that Trent Baalke's not going anywhere, and and I still believe that. So, I mean, whether, like, I I think Shad Khan did want to bring an EVP in, but, like, in terms of, like, the top priority, I'm not sure if that was ever really how it was presented. Like, I think it was definitely an idea that he had. But to come, like, hell or high water and say, all right, we got to get an EVP in there right now, I, I don't think, like, they were, like, you know, going scor- scorched earth to try to find an EVP, regardless of what the, the sources said and all these things, how, you know, that the guy, Rick, was uh, the guy from Minnesota. What was his name yes, again? Spielman, yeah. yeah, Rick Spielman. Um, you know, that, that was a hot name being thrown around. I think him and Doug Peterson had a little bit of a history. So, you know, you kind of like that. But... That's that's what people are looking for, right? That's why fans are a little frustrated right now and people are kind of questioning it because, once again, it kind of reassures the fact that Trent Baalke is going to be our general manager for this year. He's going to have a lot of decisions, and we'll see what it's like going forward. Yeah, and, and I will say this. Like, I do believe that. I wondered at the time even when – remember I told you, I was like, it's kind of weird to me that the Jags didn't do a photo op when Peterson was here and got hired, and it was very – it was a Saturday, but it was a very casual introduction to the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I wondered there, I was like, I wonder if there's something bigger here that says, hey, this isn't going to be what it looks like, you know, moving forward for the next three years. Um, and Bulky could be a part of, you know, an in-and-out shuffle at some point if you bring in an assistant GM or an EVP, and then there's a move that's made. Now, they could still bring in an assistant GM at some point. That is how Bulky ended up as the GM. He was an assistant first. But I do agree with you where I don't think he's going anywhere for the 2022 season season that's for sure like i think it's this this cements that that he's around he's making all these decisions and i think he will carry through and and then be evaluated at the end of 2022 and i think more maybe just as much as their win-loss record their building of the roster which obviously should be a big part of the evaluation i think this will be his relationship with doug peterson and right now if if Doug's being transparent with us, which I have no reason to believe he's not, uh, off to the side on the podium. He was very consistent in saying that the relationship has been fantastic uh, with with Trent Baalke. So I don't think, Austin, this is like Doug Peterson going to Shaw and being like, hey, this isn't going to work. I think instead this is Doug Peterson being, hey, we can make this work. This is going to work. This is going well. We're on the same page. I mean, they, they were out golfing a couple of days ago together. You know, well, so I, I also think it's the fact that they, I mean, you know, if it is going well, which I'm sure it is, bringing another person in there, it, it could, you know, if it's not the right person, could be problems. And, and we've spoken on this before with Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, and Doug Marone. And, yeah. and that was really the downfall to the team. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised, I, I want to say. I mean, I think an EVP would be good for business because other teams have filed this suit and it's worked out for them. But I, I get it. If, if Doug Peterson's happy with he's at, because here's what I think. I think this is more of Doug Peterson's call than it is Shad Khan's call. I agree with you. I don't think Shad Khan has looked back and said, oh, you know what? They're really getting along. You know, it's like the movie Step Brothers. You didn't really think they were going <laughs> to get along. But guess what? They got bunk beds now. They're doing karate in the garage. And all of a sudden, they're best friends. Like, maybe Shad Khan saw that. And maybe he's like, all right, I'm making a decision. No, to me, this is Doug Peterson's decision. And maybe it's a little bit of Trent Baalke's as well, because I do think Shad Khan is really a big Trent Baalke guy. So I think the collaboration with those two guys saying, no, we're all good, that led to the decision more than anything. 
Yeah, that's a really good point, Austin. I, th- I agree with you. I think this is feedback from Doug Peterson, like, hey, is this going to work? How's this going? Um, if Shad's asking those questions, like, what's the dynamic like? Because you can hire and you think it's going to work, right, based on what the statement and you said earlier in this segment, but you really don't know until they get together on it. And it seems like it's going well and well enough and, and uh, not just like in a satisfactory let's settle role that these guys feel like together they can – get it done they don't have to muddy it up and i would say this like we really don't know maybe this scares shot a little bit too what does a good executive vice president look like like what does it look like what is it It is not a ton of them in the league to begin with they tried the coughlin thing to your point anybody you hire in an executive vice president role most of the time probably doesn't have the experience of being executive vice president it's, it's just not a role that there's a bunch of resumes that it includes, you know. So I think to your point, you're right. It, it might have just been like, hey, let's not, let's not rush to do this just because we think we need to do it and bring the wrong guy in at the wrong time. And, again, I think timing matters here because there are a lot of big decisions on the horizon for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, let's take a break. We'll come back. We continue to talk about it. What else did Trent Baalke say? What did Doug Peterson say? I will tell you this, and you're not going to like it. I thought it was a very good day here at the Combine for Trent Baalke. And you'll hear a lot from the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But oh, does Benbo's looking good again? <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Season two, it's money yeah. season, baby. I like it, Brett. Congratulations, man. It's good I, to have you back. Yeah, you're welcome. I do. I, I told you we're going to like it. Yeah. But you'll hear from it, and you can tell if you agree or not. But uh, we'll, we'll go in depth on that. You'll Again, you'll hear some sound that you, you haven't heard if you even caught the podium stuff because we got Trent Balky and Doug Peterson off to the side for about 10 minutes each um, and tried to cover a lot of different topics uh, just uh, with a couple of other reports quarters in town so uh we will get to that we'll hear from bulky we'll hear from peterson and uh take you on some of the big stories here at the nfl combine with the jaguars have the number one overall pick in the 2022 nfl draft we're back on espn 690 right after this well i i think so i think so and in in just the the short conversations that trevor and i've had already is just the fact that he's got an offseason now to really kind of Relax, you know. It's, it's hard on these these young kids that are coming straight from college into this whole sort of rat race with you know with all the moving parts through the training camp and a regular season. There's no downtime, so now he finally has time to really, I think, focus on what he did last year, but at the same time, kind of rest and heal and and and, and really put a good plan together for how we want to attack this uh, this season. That is Doug Peterson here on the podium at uh, the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Brent Martino, Stuart Weber here. Uh, Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Good to have him back after the big win on Sunday. And Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday as well in the studio. I will tell you this, guys. The Combine is packed again. It is a busy place. I mean, uh, there are, you know, it's been a couple years, obviously, because of last year without it. And... Uh, this is one of the last events I think we did before the pandemic hit a couple of years back. And now there are <laughs> just a lot of people. I was really surprised to see how many folks uh, were here. And what's even more interesting is some of the coaches aren't showing up. I think it's uh, McVay, Shanahan, and who else did I see? Uh, Robert Sala not coming. And we already talked a little bit about the players not working out. You start to wonder... And in my mind this morning when I was thinking, I'm like, I want to ask Austin this. Is it 
losing its luster a little bit. And then I see the turnout here, and I'm like, well, maybe not. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you say losing its luster, you know, I think to, it's still going to be a giant convention, uh, you know, where you can network and kind of get your name out there. Obviously, from the fan standpoint, I'm sure it does lose a bit of its luster because if you don't have the biggest names, you know, running the 40-yard dash, doing the bench press, taking part in all the drills, well, then, yeah, from the, from the fans' perspective, even from my perspective, it definitely loses some luster. Yeah, and I think it's more telling, by the way, what you just said, because I look at this as a coaching convention like almost – at the top of the list and then of course you get the medicals and the evaluations and the interviews and that's a big part of it we i uh, i sound like a broken record keep saying that but I, I find it interesting where staffs aren't here and i wonder if that becomes a trendy thing and if that's the case then is it really as as important as it, it used to be or we've made it out to be um now again it's three out of 32 and uh, some well, of these folks don't even be, have first-round picks. Yeah, you know, so. and, and, well, and it should be two out of three, too, because give Sean McVay some credit here. The guys just won a Super Bowl. Give him some time off, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, Salah, pressure should probably be there, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it, well, that's what, that was the one that caught my attention, yeah. right? Uh, and he said he felt like they were a little bit behind, and then I started relating it to Doug, and I asked Doug about it. You hear a little later, and he thought it was important to be here and the staff to be here. But if anybody's behind, it's, it's got to be the Jags and, like, the Texans, right, the Dolphins. Like, those are three organizations that hired very late, yeah. uh, and you'd think they could be behind a little bit, and maybe it would have been more advantageous to stay home. <laughs> For sure. It, you know, yeah. uh, seriously, and get some of the schematics and, and uh, the looking at talent and all those things done. Though I will say, I think the interviews are really important. I think that's the part the Jags have missed at over the years, quite frankly. I'm not saying here at the Combine, but I think the judge of talent, character, mix, all of that, not to everybody, but at times is really is what this organization has missed on. I mean, C.J. Henderson, when did they miss on C.J. Henderson? He might be a talented football player, but there are some things there that obviously allowed him to stay in Jacksonville for a shade over a year, and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's a miss from a character standpoint or some a red flag standpoint that you're supposed to be able to identify at places like this. No, without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's why I still think there is a sense of importance, even if these players aren't working out. You know, I mean, usually the way it goes now, maybe it's changed since I've been in school. But what happens is you have your regional scouts during the college football season, you know, and they meet with the players a little bit. Now, maybe with COVID and things, it was different. But the way it went for me is you talk to regional scouts, you know, during the season, whether it's after practice, before practice, but you just kind of meet with them a little bit. They, they get a vibe for you. And, you know, they ask you some football questions and just kind of get a gauge for your personality type. They take that information back to HQ, back to, you know, the respected offices and kind of share things with what they found with, you know, the, the, the head scout and then the GM as such. And then they kind of um, conduct their grading from there of what they heard from the scouts, what they see on film uh, watching you play in college. And then you take that information, you take that to the combine or the senior bowl, and then you do these interviews with these players and you kind of see where everything checks out. I mean... You know, coaches have a great idea of where these players are already going to go based off film alone and just, you know, talking maybe. But then you get a real good sense of what these guys are about. But, yeah, they're good football players. But can they be a good football player for your team? Can their personality fit your team? Can their playing style fit your team? And that's kind of where you find out more in the meetings, in the interviews. So the fact that, you know, some coaches aren't there taking full advantage of that, um, it does make you wonder a little bit. But once again, there's going to be pro days. You can probably do that. I think, you know, teams are also privileged to have the invite. You invite a couple players. Um, you know, I did that with Tim Tebow and Brandon Spikes and a couple other guys for the, for the Buffalo Bills. We did that. And I talked to coaches. So 
there's a way to circumnavigate, you know, not being at the combine. But to me, it's the easiest thing. You know, I mean, now you're, you're, you're putting more work uh, and more stuff on your plate because now you got to circumnavigate, well, how do we get interviews with these guys if we're not going to be at the combine? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a fair point. Uh, one note on Sean McVay, by the way, I do wonder if, like, they said, hey, listen, chill out, right? Like, I wonder if they told him because they know he wants to work on I guess the story has been about his work-life balance. And then it was a story that, like, Amazon came after him with, like, $100 million, you know, something crazy. Okay. And so I wonder if they just said, hey, you stay back, uh, you know, we're going to help you on this work-life balance stuff. Like, we got this. You know, and again, they, it's not like they trade away all their picks anyway, so yeah. <laughs> they don't have a lot of decisions to make. But uh, be interested on that front. Hey, let's get Stephen on the line. I think he wants to uh, talk a little Evan Neal. Stephen, what's happening, man? Hey, not too much. How are you guys doing today? We are good. Doing good, man. Uh, first of all, Austin, congrats on your match. Thank I you, man. I appreciate didn't it. End the way you want it, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you on that one. Uh, my main question is, and Austin, you might have a better perspective on this since you played the game and you were at the comb- or combine and everything like that. Uh, the thing with Evan Neal, he opted out, which is uh, to work out and everything like that. Uh, now, everybody else is talking about uh, showing, hey, uh, Charles Cross might be number one. Uh, Iquanu might be number one or whatever. But from what I'm understanding, you got Charles Cross as an elite pass blocker, not the best run blocker. Iquanu, awesome run blocker, but he works in his own scheme, which is what Peterson runs, and uh, can, you know, get a little better at pass blocking. And Evan Neal has versatility playing three different positions on the line, and he's kind of, you know, pretty good at both. I mean, but not being there and working out, do you think that might hurt him at all with the other guys, plus Aiden Hutchinson being able to show off at Mm -hmm. the combine? All right, man, that's a great question. Thank you very much. So what I believe is that Evan Neal here made a business decision because, like I just got done talking about, the most important thing you can do if you're a college football player is have the film. And now I haven't watched a lot of offensive line film yet in, in preparation for Shock Your Mock, but you better I'll, I'll, I'll check the tape, all right? I'll watch the film in preparation. But I'm willing to bet that if you turn on the film right now, of every offensive lineman um, in this year's draft and what they bring to the table in terms of film, I bet Evan Neal against, you know, arguably the best talent in, in the conference in the SEC is going to shine above everybody else, right? So then it comes down to, well, what are you looking for? Does he fit schematically? Well, he's played more than one position before. He's very versatile. So you like that as well, regardless of who the team is that's trying to draft him. So I think Evan Neal made a decision to say, you know what, I'm the number one guy in this draft in terms of offensive line. Now, obviously being number one overall means something to him as, as well, but to me, that's, it's, it's got to line up perfectly. Like, the stars have to align. Do the Jaguars resign Cam Robinson? All this stuff, right? There, there's a lot that goes into that Evan Neal can't control if he's going to be number one or not. So all he can control right now is his work rate um, and how he goes about this process. And I think he's going about it saying, I'm the best guy in, the, in terms of offensive tackles in this draft. I don't got to go out here. I can do my pro day and still show off the same stuff. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, you know, I'm coming around on those tackles a little bit more than I was, Austin. You know, I've, I have not been as hot on those guys as everybody else. I still think pass rusher should really be in play for the Jags and, and sh- is not getting enough attention at how much they need pass rusher. And I think there's more risk involved there with, with Hutchinson and Thibodeau. 
Uh, but you can't discount that they need it, and they certainly do. And they need it maybe even more than they need a left tackle, quite frankly. Uh, but I'm starting to wonder if the safe play and the best play and to hammer home and, and hit on that number one overall pick and still a position of need is to beef up that offensive line. You can check a lot of boxes, right? Maybe these are two can't-miss prospects, and let's just call it Quanu and, and uh, Neal. And if they are and, and they're looked at that way and they check that way and they're going to be that way, well, then I can't fault an organization for trying to go get a blue-chip guy and solidify a spot that helps your young quarterback too and strengthens your offensive my beef with the offensive tackle play has always been, okay, what are you doing with Walker Little? Well, talking to uh, Trent uh, Balky today, it seems like I think they're pretty, they're going to be pretty flexible with a guy like Walker Little, whether they have to move him to the right or left, or even if it is a guy like Neil who could play uh, multiple positions as he did at Alabama. So as long as that's in play, I've always said this. I say, as I don't care who the Jags pick at number one, but if Walker, if somebody they pick bumps Walker Little out of the lineup, I'm not sure that makes any sense to me, given what Bulky and company did last year, drafting him in the second round. So, to me, that's always been the, okay, that's fine, but what about Walker? And if you explain to me that Walker's going to then move to the right side or whatever and not be on the sideline, I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. And if you look more and more at these guys... Uh, on the left side or uh, the offensive front with Aquanu and Neal and what everybody's saying about them and how much experience they have, what you really like too, then I see why everybody's enamored with it. And uh, building in front of Trevor is certainly not a bad thing. And it might be the safest play. It might be a conservative play and a really smart play for the Jags to make sure they don't miss. Because we all know this, Austin, the Jags have missed plenty in the top ten. And quite frankly, they can't afford to do it again. So is that where, because, I mean, man, I'm gone for five days, and I feel like you're changing your tune now in terms of what you want out of this draft and how you're more open to an offensive lineman. So ha- have you changed your reasoning because you think it is a safe play and it's probably the best bet? Or, like, what what's led to kind of you thinking, you know, this way now? Two things, uh, I think, in in my psyche about this, if they were to go left um, offensive lineman, is the... Um, flexibility of the position for both Walker Little and, and say, a Neal, right, if you wanted to move him around. I mean, Neal, what, played three different positions, I think, at Alabama and, and did him well. Well, now, keep in mind, Walker Little hasn't – he's only played left tackle. Uh, he's – well, they obviously have a comfortability of him playing right, and I think he did actually play a little bit of right tackle. In college? In, I thought he did. Okay. Um, Maybe but I'm wrong. either way, what it would say to me is that they are comfortable moving him to that side. Okay, and that's the explanation I would be looking for. And what Trent told us is that, you know, when you have those big guys, the more value you get out of them if they can play multiple positions, which made it pretty obvious that they drafted Walker Little with the idea that he could play multiple positions if needed. And so I think they they feel that way about Walker Little. Um, The other part of it is I do think, yes, it's more conservative route and they can't miss. I think the Jags on Thibodeau or the Jags even on Hutchinson, although Thibodeau seems to be the more risky guy, I, I I guess I'm a little scarred and maybe afraid of what the Jags could do there, even though I think there's a certain need for them um, to, to get help at the pass rusher spot, which they could address in free agency. Uh, and maybe it's easier to address that in free agency, Austin, than it is to address offensive line in yeah. free agency. So it says, and I'm, I'm just trying to catch up, so Walker Little came in as a freshman and started at left tackle. I believe. He was at left he, tackle he, the whole time. Yeah, he was, he's he's, he's right the first tackle. true freshman to start at left tackle. 
Um, yeah, and then he missed a couple so, of years, yeah. obviously, injury and COVID. And, and listen, out, not so. to say that he can't play right tackle, but, like, you know, you, you played – and once again, I'm not sure if he has or not, but, like, I'm just reading this article here. I mean, if you played the left side your entire career, now you ask him to go to the right side, I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, that's going to work out. But how do we know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I like Evan Neal a little bit, I think, more than Aquanu or whatever, because we've seen it at the highest of levels, him playing multiple spots. And so maybe they, again, maybe they move him over to the right side. Um, but... My big beef with the offensive tackle has over these last couple months and everybody mocking them has been, okay, well, what are you doing with Walker Little? Why did you waste a second-round draft pick then on a, on a guy who's going to be a swing depth player? Like, that doesn't make sense in the second round. Mm-hmm. And Bulky, by the way, is the guy that did that. And now Bulky's going to be the guy picking this guy number one. Well, you can't do both. You can't put Walker Little on the bench or you're admitting that three games into his career you made a bad choice. That would be not good. All right, let's take a break. We're at the NFL Combine 2022. Brent Martindale, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. We continue on ESPN 690 right after this. I just think coming in and being me, you know, and the relationship that Trent and I have built and, and continue to build every single day, um, and, and I think I think it speaks volumes what, what, what our owner has said, and, and he's really given the confidence to Trent and I to really build this thing, and... and um, you know, not to say we can't continue to add value in the personnel department, which we, we could still do that. But at the same time, it just shows the confidence that he has and, and really just me being me, you know, from day one and, and uh, showing, showing people there who, who I really am. That is Doug Peterson, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, uh, by the way, has, has, I think, made an impact in the building already. Um, you know, the word on Doug is he's a really good guy. You can't get anybody to say otherwise, which is cool. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to our show, I feel like the Jags need some of that. Not that they have bad people in their organization, but I think the more good and the good genuine people you have is, is the better coming off what just went hap- what just happened over the last year or, or even two. And so Peterson seems like he's certainly making uh, that kind of difference. And, you know, this is his football team, and in my estimation, it's his franchise along with Trevor Lawrence's. Like, we talk about Trent Bulky so much, and I understand he's part of it and a big part of it, so I'm not dismissing it. But in my estimation, this is now Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and their organization going forward, and can they help flip it? And, uh, again, Bulky's going to have to be a part of that the way it sits right now as the big news uh, today coming out of the combine from Shad Connie issued a statement as well is uh, the – EVP search will be paused at least for now. Brett Martin at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. Casey Kurtz there as well. All right, I, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on it, man, but John Morant, er, everywhere I looked today, John Morant, John Morant, John Morant. Uh, that play was unbelievable. And which one? You say, which one? Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Which one was more unbelievable to you? Oh, it's the dunk all day. Really? Yeah. Really? That, that's probably going to be the dunk of the year. Casey? John Morant, dunker shot. Didn't see either of them. Oh, wow. The, the, the disrespect. Wow. Casey. The, the, the disrespect. Casey, these wedding plans are getting in the way. Yeah, bro. Rumor has it I have a lot going on. That's true. I guess so. Not watching John Morant highlights. Oh, wow. But you should, though. It's entertaining. Hey, wait, what? Are you miss the, wait, hold on, man. What are you leaving? Tomorrow? Today. Yeah. You're missing the Batman movie. You guys will have to wait for me. Cancel the no, Call off the wedding. Call off the wedding. Dude, the, no. dude the, 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 have you seen the reviews so far, Casey? It's I've a three-hour really thrill ride. Yep. 
I've heard All it's right, really I'm good. I'm going to see without you. I'm going to spoil it. Sorry. If you guys both go without me, I'm not coming back. <laughs> Brent's not going <laughs> to hey, go. Don't worry about me. Yeah, Brent's I'll not going. I'll be at some softball or baseball though. game probably. Yeah, I'm going. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the Casey, by the way, do you, you, you got to do your homework on John Morant here just because his card might have gone up like threefold last night. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going to break some news to you, bro. One game is not going to change it. His card is already astronomical right now. Is it, is, has it been? Yes. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say this, okay? Real quick. He's getting in the MVP talk now. Here's another thing you'll like, Casey. He's still like the fifth best odds to win the MVP, I think. Does that surprise you guys? I mean, who do you got? You got what's Embiid. You got Giannis, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Um, where's DeRozan? I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I didn't see the list. I just okay. saw that he was the fifth highest. Yeah. No. I mean, so. right. Like right after the All Star break, I, I'm not surprised because he was out for you know a decent amount of time. So I'm not surprised by that. Okay. Um, I'm starting to think he's going to get some heavy momentum down the stretch to win that thing. I mean, the, the way the Grizzlies kind of plays. Well, know? yeah, the way the Grizzlies are playing. I mean, he put up 40 a couple of nights ago, and he puts up 52. Obviously, a new career high for him. Um, yeah, he's going to make it very hard if, if the Grizzlies keep rolling, not to consider him for the MVP, which is wild because we're talking about a guy who's in his second year right now. He's a year three, isn't he? Oh, is it year, year three? three? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I. By the way, I disagree with you. I, 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 the dunk's unbelievable, but I think we get like immune to great dunks sometimes. But it's the like, dunk of the year. Well, yeah, I guess it's just like, like it was. A, it was a great dunk, but I feel like I could find like a, a lot of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen the shot he hit on the baseline. Hmm. Have you ever seen that shot that executed? I but mean, I by, feel, and by the way, the guy did not get enough credit as a guy who threw it in too. Sure, it was a sure. heck of a throw. Yeah, but. But I feel like anybody—I mean, like anybody—given that opportunity can try to make that shot. There's maybe a couple of guys in the NBA that can accomplish that dunk. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I guess. Uh. uh well. So that's well, I mean, how the place were, right? No, it's for sure. Debate. But yeah, uh, so, l- l- let me ask you this: How many t- attempts would you need to make that shot that John Morant made? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like you, like, you actually are saying that I could probably make that shot? I think if you had enough attempts, yes. Yeah, I hear you. And I know I could not do the other one. You're right. That is correct. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just think from the, again, like you don't see it. It was .4 seconds to go. Like, that's impossible. <laughs> and then he's fading out of bounds. Like, it would have been a good shot if, like, if, if it was within the shot clock. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh it's the one that caught my attention a little bit more. You know, I thought this one thing, one more point on John Morant. He is now to the point, he's become the guy, and Curry's a little bit like this, especially this year and, and, and at times in his career, where I don't even watch a lot of NBA, yet I get up and I'm like, what did he do today? Sure. You know? Yep. Like, that's a different L. That's like you're in a different stratosphere when you're doing that. Yeah. You know, LeBron did it for a lot of times early in his career. Michael did it, you know. But now in this highlight-driven world, you're like, I want to see what did, how many did Ja have last night and what did he do? Yeah. Because he's, he's he scored 50-plus, he scored 52, and had two, like, all-world plays in the same game. Well, I mean, he dunked on a guy that's 7-1. <laughs> yes. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what more you want from that guy. And uh, I'll give you one more thing that went through my head, Austin. John Morant is everything Zion Williamson was supposed to be in terms of what I just said, waking up every day and seeing what did he do. Yeah. So at least they got one guy from that draft doing it. No, for sure.
And, and meanwhile, people are on a float making fun of Zion Williamson in his hometown. So, oh, yeah, not his hometown, but because, Gras. yeah. Mardi no. Gras, not so Mardi what Gras do? For, yeah. for Zion. But it does beg, it, can you imagine if we get both those guys playing at a high level? It's going to be crazy. If Zion come back, I mean, boy, how big would that be for the league? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, John Morant, two cents. And Casey, do not get married until you watch those two plays, please. That's a, I don't care what you have that's to a, do. That's a Brent Martin order, Casey, yeah. coming at you. Don't get, ma- don't get married until you do that. I'm still seeing Batman, though. Sorry, dude. Yeah. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We caught up with Trent Falky today off to the side. So if you've heard some of the podium stuff, the sound that's kind of floating around, well, you haven't heard this yet, and uh, you'll hear it when we come back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hi.